Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher. No. Funnier. I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! I said, Steve, whatever you want to change, like, we don't want to mess with SpongeBob too much. Like, want to make sure it all still fits in the world that you created. And he said, I've done everything I want to do with SpongeBob. I want you guys to do what you do with SpongeBob. Yeah, what a great guy. Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We have an incredibly special episode for you today that requires a little bit of historical context. Since SpongeBob SquarePants started all the way to today, SpongeBob, along with the Patrick Star Show, are still animated on pencil and paper and then they're scanned to be colored digitally. They're animated at Rough Draft Korea, though technically only season one of SpongeBob was cell animated and painted. This process, combined with hand-painted backgrounds and using X sheets for timing direction, is increasingly, increasingly rare in the animation world, and it's part of the reason why SpongeBob and the Patrick Star Show have such beautiful cartoon looks to them. Yeah, so stop motion animation feels kind of like the spiritual sibling to SpongeBob's traditional animation style in that it's another very labor-intensive process where extreme artistry and detail is put into every single frame. So, using stop motion animation for specific SpongeBob gags, holiday specials, moments in the movies, and various shorts on the Patrick Star show seems like a total no-brainer. You're right, Frankie, and it's a no-brainer, and so is the no-brainer of us talking to some of the creative geniuses behind the stop-motion animation of the SpongeBob universe. From screen novelties, we're talking to Seamus Walsh and Mark Caballero. Let's do it. Here we go. I'd love to start by understanding what type of person does it take to be able to be that patient to make stop-motion animation? This is Mark. I think a lot of stop-motion animators start off by being highly influenced by something they saw as a kid, either it being Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or King Kong or like the old Harryhausen movies. Like you know that this weird figure exists that you can go and grab it and, yeah, and, yeah. and you want it. You want to play with that. And the way it has its own personality and its, and its life, it's fascinating. Even when you watch stop-motion today, there's something weird about it because even though you can make life out of drawings or rigged characters on a screen, there's something about knowing that that actual figure exists that is very attractive. Santa, Santa, Santa has his jolly 
little eyes on me. It keeps me warm and filled with glee to know Santa has his eyes on me. I light my house like a Christmas tree. Fa la 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 Because Santa, Santa, Santa has his jolly little... And uh, what about you, Seamus? You know, it's a whole process and and we enjoy the process. And that's the funny thing about getting involved with stop motion animation. It's one of those things that you're kind of just really drawn to do, I think, from the time you're a kid. So, yeah, it does take this certain level of patience. But at the same time, when I'm animating, I don't feel like it's this tedious process. On each of our stages, we only shoot about five or six seconds a day. <laughs> but when 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 you're doing that process though I'm just kind of like zenning out and I really enjoy the process of it so I don't feel like it's this tedious thing frame by frame because I'm always just thinking about the overall acting of the shot because when you're animating you're you're kind of sharing that performance with the voice actor so you're kind of like playing off what they're accenting and obviously all the voice actors on the show are so great and give you so much to work with we're singing the best Christmas song ever, and that's Silver Bells. Wrong bells, buddy. Hey, I want to sing Randolph the Red-Nosed Seahorse. Oh, what no, is you doing that song? Great to see people so passionate about the holidays. Jameis, you brought up that it's not tedious to you guys, and I feel like whenever somebody like 60 Minutes or, you know, NBC Nightly News or whatever comes over to <laughs> your studio and does those little interviews with you guys... The reporter's yeah. always like so stunned that it's not it's not <laughs> tedious. First of all, they're stunned by the process. And to hear that it takes a whole day to make five seconds, I think that most normal people go, well, why are you doing this job? I would right. quit. Like, like right. they just can't understand it. <laughs> Even though we do this, this archaic form of animation, <laughs> uh, we aren't really opposed to technology. You know, it, it, you're always trying to find a tool that helps you create the performance or tell the story that you want. Um, so we do use a lot of computers to both like model things and also to, yeah, give us video reference as we're shooting. Cause when you look at 2d animators, you know how they, what they call flip and rolling the drawings. When you see them flipping and rolling, you could never do that with stop motion in the olden days. But then as soon as video taps and things like that started coming out, then you could kind of start, flipping and rolling your single frames which was a real game changer for stop motion so yeah like around the you know late 90s is when that all started being available and one of the cool things though that because we were able to jump into the digital age with capturing everything digitally and stuff we're still able to implement our our desire of wanting to shoot everything in front of camera as opposed to creating it later on in after effects or whatever you know we always still try to go for like well here's this ghost are we going to just create it in a in a program or are we going to just build it and shoot it in in front of the camera in front of everything else and so that that ended up making things a lot easier for us because you saw instant feedback Mm -hmm. So now it allows us to make even more things to put in front of camera and shoot it all at the same time as opposed to shooting in different layers. Music to me ears! Halloween night and everyone is getting their bloomers scared off! This holiday is the worst! Wait a millennium. That kid isn't screaming with fear! 
You guys have a very lovely relationship with SpongeBob from the Goofy Goober Rock sequence, the um, um, Snow Mollusk, the entire episode, it's a SpongeBob Christmas. Yep. You guys did the 10th year anniversary recreation of the opening sequence. You did Legends of Bikini Bottom, the Halloween special that we all love so much. So uh, how did this relationship with SpongeBob start? I know. I was trying to remember how that all played out because I feel like it's been, you know, man, over 10, 12 years. No, it's been it's been close to 20 years, Shay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mark Osborne, who had directed Kung Fu Panda, he was working on the feature shooting the live action stuff. Right. Didn't Mark shoot the um, palm tree and the water and stuff for the first for the opening? Yeah. For the opening? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. that classic little live action yeah. yep. bit the, of the island, and then we go underwater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shot that in Steve's pool. Really? Yeah, because he and Steve are old friends. Wow. Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Yeah, Mark was telling us that story, and it's funny, even... Even the, the guy that built the island, his name is Joe Schmidt. He's a he's a dear friend of ours, and he still works on the SpongeBob stuff with us. We have this you know small group of talented people we really like to work with, but it's this very close knit small group. They've pretty much been with us through all of this stuff. The core group is really only about ten mm-hmm. to twelve people who specialize in either fabricating the puppets or lighting the miniature sets or building the miniature sets or animating. Is it a family affair? Like, do you find that you find a lot of people oh. that are like, yeah, my dad did um, stop motion. No, and then my grandfather <laughs> did stop motion. No, I, I wish. I wish, yeah. but no, no, not no, really. Cause usually probably if someone, if your grandpa was a stop motion animator or whatever, they probably, the kids probably see how crazy it is of a way to try to live. <laughs> and they go, I think I'll become an accountant and have a stable job. <laughs> so, so you guys were describing like Mark Osborne is working on the first SpongeBob movie and that's where, and is shooting the live action elements, the, the various like David Hasselhoff stuff, all that weird fun stuff in that first SpongeBob movie. And that's where Screen Novelties comes in with the Goofy Goober animation segment. We built the clay Goofy Goober SpongeBob and the thing and got direction from Mark and Steve. And we had this cruddy little, like, just one room shooting space that we were renting up by the Empire Center in Burbank. And when we were ready to shoot... Next to the train tracks, which is great when you're trying to shoot stop motion and the whole place is rattling. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, we were ready to shoot and stuff. And, and Mark's like, hey, we're going to come over and check it out. And we're like, oh, cool. And we thought it was just going to be Mark and Steve. It was like the entire crew. Everybody showed up. Everyone just showed up and we're like, oh, my gosh, you know. And they're all kind of looking at this clay globe. <laughs> That's all it really was. And we had like little replacement mouths and stuff like that, you know, that we were able star to like background. sculpt in there and everything and, and a star back backdrop. Yeah, like that just shows you how passionate the SpongeBob crew is, because that's what I remember is when they came over, they were just so nice. And I felt like we immediately clicked with them. And after they left, I was like, these are the nicest people. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, I think that that shows in the show, you know, I mean, that's why the show is so great is that all these really passionate, dedicated people love making this thing. Introduce you to my little friend. 
That's the most realistic fake monster I ever saw. Who are you calling fake? With us with stop motion, but this is what we love to do. So we put a you know love into every frame. So we appreciate it because sometimes you work with people or clients or whatever, and they just want it done. I just remember Steve really being fascinated and asking questions about the process and stuff. And it was just so nice to have them be that interested in what you were doing for this little tiny section of the movie. Yeah. I think even Tom Kenny showed up. Wow. That doesn't surprise me. Tom is also just such an enthusiast Mm -hmm. of animation in general. And it's so cool that you guys are describing how the whole crew showed up. Do they also have a sort of passion for stop motion animation? Because it seems like they've used you guys as much as they possibly could throughout the years. That's what initially got me drawn to the show is that it wasn't just a standard cartoon from having the opening shot be that pool with the little miniature tree. Like if the whole show felt very multimedia from the beginning, you know, and and it felt like they were trying to fit in as many like weird cutout animation type shots, like almost like a Terry Gilliam-esque kind of thing being, and then from stop motion or just a little (laughs) model miniature shot. Obviously the 2D is the core feel of the show, but they, they always knew to just throw in a few little cool things like that to, to work on your imagination in the background there. And that's what drew us to the show right away. Others are talking, never interrupt. Don't put people down or leave the toilet seat up. It's the time for family and holly and turkey. Tis the season to be jolly, not jerky. Santa brought nearly every gift on your list. Why whine about the one that he missed? Don't be a jerk. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Don't be a jerk. It's Christmas. Exclusively on Paramount Plus. Get ready to explore like never before. Swing into action. We need your help. With a girl who put adventure on the map. I don't think I can do it, Dora. I'll protect you, Boots. Together, we've got this. Todos juntos. Dora, the brand new series. Stream with your family now, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Out of all of the SpongeBob stuff that you've worked on, do you guys have any? Favorite moments? Uh, anything that you're particularly proud of? The SpongeBob Halloween that we did. That's my favorite too. The scare song was so much fun. It was a blast. It was the last project we had worked on with Steve. You know, he personally oversaw everything. And Mark and Vince are the showrunners on it and stuff. And they're just like, do whatever you want. You know, and they just like I remember sitting in the animatic edit with with Mark and and Vince and Steve and. We're just like, is it cool if we do this? They're like, yeah. Is it cool if we do this? Yeah. Is it cool if we do this? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. when they say how nice they are, it, they really are. I mean, it's it's amazing. And and what Steve had told me once is, you know, I said, Steve, whatever you want to change, like, we don't want to mess with SpongeBob too much. Like, want to make sure it all still fits in the world that you created. And he said, 
I've done everything I want to do with SpongeBob. I want you guys to do what you do with SpongeBob. Yeah. What a great guy. Wow. This guy, you know, Steve Hillenberg, the nicest guy in the world. He was just so gracious and giving with letting everybody else be creative as well. Yeah, just open to, you know, everything still has to feel true to the SpongeBob world. But within that, he did give you a lot of leeway. But the funny thing is, it's almost too long of a leash to give you because what we found right away was that stop motion's already this new interpretation. SpongeBob himself, the character, you don't want to do anything that betrays how everybody already feels about how he is, how what what he would do in certain situations, and it's and it was kind of intimidating to be kind of like scooted out into the bikini bottom world. It was exhilarating and like sort of scary and feeling like a big responsibility at the same time because they're these beloved characters and we love them. And, you know, when you're reinterpreting them in this new way, as much as the show already has this um, mixed media vibe to it, we were really worried that people would be like, well, this isn't the SpongeBob we know, you know, he's weird. But the thing is, the show is weird. So, uh, you know, we had a really good time and it was also really hard to just interpret this adorable 2d character into a dimensional Mm. model that doesn't feel like weird and gross. He had to exude the SpongeBob energy. And that was a huge challenge. The first couple times we were going through trying to interpret the character, we realized how much we had to push and pull things and how every aspect of Mm. the fabrication plays into it from finding the exact right foam that when you light it, kind of has this happy glow ah. to it. You'll actually see an evolution of our design of SpongeBob through over the years cuz sure. the the opening title, you know, that SpongeBob has a lot more like he's really dense looking. And then we switched over mm. to a, a couch foam. The open cell qualities of it oh, wow. are able to catch light. And so that gives it a little bit of Whoa. a luminescent quality. But then we went from there, we refined it further into the Halloween one. And then we devolved it for Patrick Starr. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, because it's the oldest version of it. It's like, you know, the black and white <laughs> era. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Miracle. Why aren't you laughing? Patrick, what's wrong with you? Help me, SpongeBob! My body's butt itches! Patrick? Is this really happening? Hey, this isn't funny! I was wrong, SpongeBob. Sometimes scary equals scary! Which character was, do you think, the most difficult to pin and nail down? Was it SpongeBob himself, or was, was there anybody else that was giving you some difficulty? Well, they each have their challenges, you know, Squidward having all of his mm-hmm. thin little legs and stuff. And Mr. Krabs <laughs> being this giant monolithic shape, you know? Um, yeah, he was hard and so was Patrick because in the cartoon, Patrick's mouth goes right into his body. You know, the physical limitations of trying to build that and animate it were there. And so we kind of just took advantage of our limitations and kind of like for the Christmas one, we decided to 
you know, give him a, a little scarf that, you, you know, it, it was believable that his mouth would stay in the head area. Ooh, what's that? It's a trap. A trap for Santa. Ooh, baited with Christmas treats? I will trap Santa in my box locked up like Fort Knox and make him stop the clocks. And we'll have Christmas all year long. Hey, a cookie! I think it was Plankton. Oh, wow. Oh, because he's so, yeah, yeah so many different yeah. scales and tiny. Yeah. Close-up plankton, miniature scale plankton. He was a little bit harder because he was so tiny, you know, uh, in the first few that, because we were, we were literally going like little bean-sized puppets and that was kind of like excruciating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's like, we had the, we called it the jelly bean plankton because he was about the size of a jelly bean. Jelly bean. But then when he was close up, you know, we had a larger you know, one. guys, what's so funny is that Frankie and I just spent the last few weeks talking to some of the actors who portrayed these characters on the Broadway <laughs> show. Cool. And and we were asking them similar questions. And they also, I think, Frankie, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of saying like the di most difficult one to conceptualize was Plankton yeah. because of the size differential, which is right. so, so funny that both you guys and the Broadway show are having to solve <laughs> similar problems yeah. in different ways, which yeah. is right. so, so great. <laughs> No, dawdling! Step right up! The evil Mr. Krabs and his band of jolly mindless fools stalk Bikini Bottom by night for delicious victims. <laughs> then drag their lifeless bodies back to the kitchen and grind them into grinders! you are a panic! It's funny, because when we were starting out, doing stop motion we i remember us specifically saying the thing you don't see a lot of in stop motion is this cartoony 2d sensibility to the timing because stop motion is so technical and how you have to tie characters down and all that stuff mm -hmm. we we're like that maybe that's what we want to explore is doing this cartoonish stuff because a lot of our animation heroes are to come from the 2D mm -hmm. world. And it was just really nice to meet the SpongeBob guys because it's like the most classic cartoonish show because it still has all these like, squashy, stretchy, and, and, and having characters transform and do strange things like SpongeBob can do all these crazy things. So it was great to, to say like, wow, let's put all this to the test and see how cartoony we can go. And the the funny thing is you're still working with a TV schedule, TV budget, you know, it's like you've got time to right, do something, but right. you don't really have that much time or money to do much. It's just the nature of it. It took us five months to shoot the Christmas special. Wow. And, and I think another wow. five months to shoot the Halloween special. There's a couple months of fabrication before that. Like the whole process usually takes about ten, nine or ten months from first thinking to post they they really inspire yeah. you and so you want to do a good job for them <laughs> they're trusting you so you don't want to let them down so we put every we, we fit everything we can plus we are excited to try a bunch of stuff every time we always give ourselves some new thing we want to try even when we were doing the goofy goober globe steve at that time even mentioned he's like someday we're going to do it a whole christmas special you yeah know? we're like but then it was, wow wasn't it what like it was years until that happened. It um, was, uh, yeah, we shot yeah. Goofy Goobers 2003, 2004, and then we got the Christmas special 2011. 
Yeah. So, so he was thinking uh, wow. about it even then. And then after we finished the Christmas special, I think I remember he and Vincent saying, after this, we're going to do a Halloween thing. And then, you know, it was like five <laughs> years, but they eventually pulled it off. Wow. You have worked on so many cool different projects. You've done stuff for Cuphead, Captain Underpants, Adventure Time, McDonald's is a client. So you've done all this amazing work. In your minds, why is SpongeBob special? What does it mean to screen novelties to have worked on SpongeBob stuff? For me, whenever I think about SpongeBob, I just think about the crew that we work with. And I do love watching the shows, even though I don't watch them that much after we make them because it's kind of weird. We've gotten so much work from them and we appreciate every single frame we do for them because we know that they, yeah. they do it because they, they have faith in what we do. They trust us to come up with something new. And we do it because, I mean, a lot of other people might say like, oh, what, you know, you this is too much. Like I want to move on to something else. Like we enthusiastically do any SpongeBob project that they offer our way because um, we know how cool they are, how creative they are. The characters allow you to be uninhibited with your uh, range of motion and the way you want to animate them. Also just like how, you know, Steve trusted us in the beginning and we didn't have a lot of experience and that really goes far. Yeah, just every collaboration that we have with the whole SpongeBob crew just feels like this natural fit, you know? Um, we're all coming from the cool. same planet humor-wise and design-wise, and we're not there day-to-day -day as part of the crew, so we feel kind of like we're this right. like, sort of little honorary members off to the side that we get to sometimes come in and play with everybody. <laughs> we're the weird cousins that show up every once in a while. Every time we get to do that, it's just such a blast. That was such a fantastic interview with those two unbelievably talented human beings. I mean, we're learning so many cool, fun facts that have never been discovered before on this podcast. I love that. Once again, we're learning that Steven Hillenburg is just the nicest guy in the world. And for him, for him to have created what ended up being the most successful cartoon show of all time, it just makes me very happy. And I love the creative energy behind everything that Screen Novelties is doing. So huge thanks again to Seamus Walsh and Mark Caballero for spending some time with us, sharing their stories, and just like getting me even more excited about stop motion animation, which is so, so cool. So thanks again, guys. And don't forget to listen in every Thursday for new episodes of SpongeBob Binge Pants, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're up to over here, spread the word, write a review, and keep watching cartoons. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.